from Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to The Potterverse. It's a podcast dedicated to the book and film universe of Harry Potter. So grab your favorite wands and time turners. Let's step into the night and pursue that flighty temptress adventure. Everybody and welcome back. My name is Mary Larson. My name is Blake, and I am in no way, shape, or form letting Minerva McGonagall take my firebolt. No chance. How, Not going to happen. How would you stop her? As a mere third year, as thirteen-year-olds, I'll tell you how I would stop her. I'm Harry freaking Potter. Yeah, bippity boppity boo that yeah. girl. I am Harry freaking <laughs> Potter. There's no chance she's taking my. That thing is worth more probably than her salary. Just throwing that out there. This this firebolt means so much to Harry. Yeah, I, I get sad knowing that at some point I don't even know if you remember Blake, but at some point Harry actually is going to lose this firebolt, and it breaks my heart for him because he goes through a lot. Does in it really the, in the Battle of the Seven Potters? Yeah, really. Yeah, gone baby. Wait, who's riding his firebolt? Um, it was it was one of the other seven Potters, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. It doesn't matter who it was, but I just couldn't remember. I couldn't remember offhand, like if if somebody else was riding it or whatever, and it got broken. Bye, bye, Firebolt. Right, but for the next few years, we'll have fun on it. We'll yeah. have fun, <laughs> <laughs> at least for the next three. All right. So, of course, this is Chapter Eleven, <clears throat> the Firebolt. I don't believe it," he said hoarsely. It was a firebolt, identical to the dream broom Harry had gone to see every day in Diagon Alley. Its handle glittered as he picked it up. He could feel it vibrating and let go. It hung in midair, unsupported, at exactly the right height for him to mount it. His eyes moved from the golden registration number at the top of the handle right down to the perfectly smooth, streamlined birch twigs that made up the tail. "'Who sent it to you?' said Ron in a hushed voice." Look and see if there's a card, said Harry. Ron ripped apart the firebolt's wrappings. Nothing. Blimey, who'd spend that much on you? (laughs) Well, said Harry, feeling stunned. I'm betting it wasn't the Dursleys. (laughs) Nope, I don't think so. I wonder what they sent him, if... If that's a thing that they... They 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 have to send him a present. It's part of the... the protection is okay. that they actually have to give him like a present, Odd. but it's usually like a sock. Yeah, or it's like a it's like a coin yeah, or something. It's really like it's like five small. cents. Yeah, or whatever it is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> poor Harry. Poor Harry, Harry. Harry is a free wizard. I just love though that Harry has lusted after this broom, but knew rightly so he probably could have afforded it, but knew not to even like deal with it or go look at the price. You know, he knew he had a perfectly well functioning broom. Sure. Yeah. And yet here it comes. I mean, now he doesn't have a functioning broom. Thanks, thanks, Whomping Willow. So it's just, I'm just really excited for him. So before we get into this chapter, though, we wanted to remind you that we're on social media just by searching Mary and Blake. Uh, you can go to maryandblake.com to find all of our podcasts and blogs. We have an amazing group on Facebook. Just search Mary and Blake on Facebook. Request to join. We geek out about all things Potter and Game of Thrones and Outlander and Bridgerton. And I do want to 
remind you that if you like to read books, whether the Kindle form or the hard copy form, I'm actually doing a Bridgerton book club on jointhenerdclan.com. That's for our special patrons where for as little as $2 a month, um, you are able to join in all of the exclusive fun that we do there and it's a way for you to support the show. So if we're bringing you Lumos in the time of Knox, head on over to jointhenerdclan.com and tomorrow, uh, yeah, tomorrow, Yes, February fifteenth. The book club is starting. So, is are you reading it tomorrow, or are you publishing the post tomorrow? That's the question. I'm going to publish a post about the prologue. Oh, okay, all right, good. So, I'm going to do like a chapter, a pre chapter one. There's going to be a podcast episode in jointhenerdclan.com about the prologue. Okay, good. All right, because we actually go got a bunch there. of questions about that. Oh, I bet. Starting today, as a matter People of fact. People are like, all right, what do we do? <laughs> you <laughs> it's Valentine's the, Day. You read the prologue, and uh, we're going to move from there. I'm going to have all the information in tomorrow's podcast at jointhenerdclan.com. Let's get into the show. I solemnly swear that I'm up to no good. So, of course, in this chapter titled The Firebolt, we start things off. Harry actually just trying to digest everything he heard about Sirius Black. Um, It's the Christmas holidays, but Harry, Ron, and Hermione are all there. And to try to get his mind off of his fuming feelings about nobody telling him about all the stuff about Sirius Black, they decide to go and visit Hagrid. Just feels like the thing to do, you know? Get it? <laughs> yes, I do. I got you. <laughs> um, and, you know, Harry's ready to go vent to Hagrid, kind of, you know, verbally get mad, and instead they learn all about Buckbeak and how Buckbeak is possibly being, um, he's, he's going on case for what he did against Draco Malfoy. Then Christmas comes, and Harry gets the firebolt. Crookshanks is mad as Scabbers yet again, and things just continue to get really awkward between Ron and Hermione, and then Hermione tells Minerva McGonagall about the firebolt, so now things are awkward between Harry and Hermione as well. Right, yeah, this this chapter really has to do a lot with justice and the application of justice. Uh, much the same way that this book does, but it feels really, really prevalent in the Firebolt. Whether it is uh, Harry's way of dealing with the conversation that happened before him in the last chapter and uh, the kind of justice that has been brought to uh uh, Sirius Black and how that justice really doesn't apply to him. Uh, then again, it also has to deal with Buckbeak and the kind of justice that he has to face, uh, even though it is not his fault. And then, of course, the coup de gras, the final one. The coup de gras. The, I love that word. Yeah, I know. It's, sounds like it's more of a yummy. phrase. It's more of a phrase. Really, sounds like something cheesy. That sounds. That's because it sounds like crudite. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Excuse me while I drool. Uh, yeah. The coup de gras. The coup de gras is. McGonagall taking the firebolt because of Hermione. And I think, Mary, that's where I want to start. At the very beginning? At the very end. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, uh, McGonagall taking the firebolt from Harry. WTF. Is is this justified, number one? And number two, is Hermione right in what she does in this action? I feel like this... I don't know in the nerd communities how how this is looked at. My sense, though, is that this is a little bit of a controversial subject. Okay. So what are your thoughts on Hermione being a rat? And then number two, 
McGonagall taking it. So I wouldn't call her a rat. I kind of lean back into book one, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, where Neville Longbottom had to stand up to his friends and how sometimes that is one of the bravest things that you can do. Hermione is doing nothing but looking out for Harry in this book. She is very, very concerned. She knows that Harry is going to be revved up because of the serious black stuff. She knows that this gift came without anything on it and Mm -hmm. just wants to do the right thing, the safe thing and take care of her friend. So knowing all of that, what is it safe and why is it safe to do this? Like, like what informs the decision? The fact that he got a random, amazing, expensive present from nobody. Mm -hmm. When Sirius black is on the loose, you know, it's just, it's not smart. It's not wise. Right. I, like part of me harkens back to the last book with the uh, the diary. Yeah, all the diary shows up, and all of a sudden, like things start getting wacky. Yeah, man. Who's to say that there isn't another? Hermione knows that, and I think that's implicit in the text. I don't think I don't think that's explicit, but I think implicit is Hermione knows what happened last mm-hmm. year, and mm-hmm. if that happened with the diary, who's to say it wouldn't happen again with this firebolt that and Harry, just shows up? It's Harry the Lamborghini just, of freaking. Yeah. Uh, of brooms. It's not like it was given to Ron. It's not like it was given to a random person. It was given to the chosen one. It was given to Harry freaking Potter. Okay. With no name. Lamborghini of brooms. She's doing her due diligence. Mm -hmm. She's being a mother figure to him as his own friend. And McGonagall being the head of their house. Once again, very mother figure to Harry in most of these books is doing the right thing. He gets it back. Okay, yeah. he gets it back. Yeah, but, but he doesn't know that at the time. Like on the other on the other side of the coin here, is my fireball. Who are you to go rat me out to McGonagall about my fireball? It's mine. It didn't show up for you. It has nothing to do with you, Hermione. Why? Why you? Why she you knows that kill? it's going to give back. She says, "I'm going to give it back." Madam Hooch and Professor Flitwick are going to strip it down. It shouldn't be more than a few weeks. Well. You will have it back as long as we're sure it's jinx-free. So she's telling him, mm-hmm. you're going to get it back. Mm-hmm. Yes, you don't get to play with it right now. And that's the worst, right? Like, he knows he has it, yeah. and he can't play with it. It's like when you wake up on Christmas morning, and you unwrap the gift you've been waiting for so long, and then your parents say, okay, everybody, get dressed. We're going to Aunt Marge's house. And you're like, no. no. That happened to me every year, by I the want way. to stay here and play with my toy. Can I bring my toy to Aunt Marge's? No. Well, think about that. Think like, okay, what is the best brand saxophone you could ever imagine? Right? Yeah. And you get the best saxophone on the planet. Can't bring it to Aunt Marge's. You can't bring it to Aunt Marge. I actually had an Aunt Marge. Did you really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. No. I didn't have an Aunt Marge. No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. Did I? No, I didn't. Um, But think about that. Like, yeah. you got the best saxophone on the planet. Yep. You can't bring it to Aunt Marge's. And... You can't play it, and someone takes it away from you just to say, you know what, we're going to check it to make sure. Wouldn't you be pissed? Is it fair? Is it fair? Listen, Harry's at this really tough age. He is 13. That is where you are questioning authority. That is where you do not necessarily make the brightest choices because you're very impulsive, and you are very, 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 very selfish. Yes, absolutely. He can't see past his own glasses. Sure. We still love Harry. I dig him. But he's got this firebolt. He wants to play with it. I appreciate it. I am on team Hermione and McGonagall on this. Something, actually, that's a great transition to the beginning of this chapter, Mary. Thank you very much. It's like you're a professional or something. Who would have <laughs> thought? That reminds me of the beginning of this chapter where Harry is feeling 
feeling lots of things. 13, man. And this is the beginning, I think. This chapter, right here, this chapter. This is the beginning this of... This is when puberty strikes. Yeah, kind of. When, But this chapter right here is when Harry Potter, the book, the series, takes a hard left. And instead of being, yay, Harry Potter! Let's it's, go play wizard's chess! Yeah, it's... Hey, Harry, <laughs> Harry's uh, feeling things here. And he's feeling things, but he's he is in danger. Right. Constant and, danger. Right. And it's, uh, in large part, it has to do with himself. It has to do with his the choices that he makes. And, like, uh, I remember in, this, in the seventh or eighth film when Harry says, Hermione, we always make a plan. It always goes to crap. When have we ever made a plan and it, and it worked out? Never. It's after they get off the dragon and they're out of the lake. It's yes, that's right. One. That's right. I think about that because a lot of the time Harry is just. I know that he is the the not the culmination. He is the mixture of both Hermione and Ron. You know, Ron being the emotional one, uh, Hermione being the the logical one, and Harry is the one that binds them all together. But Harry, I think, well, at least especially in this chapter is very, very uh, easily subjected to his emotions. And Mary, my favorite part of this podcast, yeah. what is it? I don't know. It's reading! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh, man. Thanks, Mary. Sorry. Way, way to make that one fall apart on me. <laughs> Good job. Relay, All right. Blake. Here relay. we go. He stopped on a picture of his parents' wedding day. Oh. There was his father waving up at him, beaming the untidy black hair Harry had inherited, standing up in all directions. There was his mother, alight with happiness, arm in arm with his dad. And there, that must be him. Their best man, Harry had never given him a thought before. If he had known it was the same person, he would have never guessed it was black in this old photograph. His face wasn't sunken and waxy, but handsome, full of laughter. He had already been working for Voldemort when this picture had been taken. Was he already planning the deaths of the two people next to him? Did he realize that he was facing 12 years in Azkaban? 12 years which would make him unrecognizable. But the Dementors don't affect him, Harry thought, staring into the handsome, laughing face. He doesn't have to hear my mum screaming before they get too close. Harry slammed the album shut, reached over, and stuffed it back into his cabinet, took off his robes and glasses, and got into the bed, making sure the hangings were hiding him from view. A hatred such as he had never known before was coursing through Harry like poison. He could see Black laughing at him through the darkness, as though somebody had pasted the picture from the album over his eyes. He watched as though somebody was playing him a piece of film, Sirius Black blasting Peter Pettigrew, who resembled Neville Longbottom, into a thousand pieces. He could hear, though he had no idea what Black's voice might sound like, a low, excited mutter. It has happened, my lord. The Potters have made me their secret keeper. And then came another voice, laughing shrilly, the same laugh that Harry heard inside his head whenever the Dementors drew near. That whole passage is breathtaking. 
the the author's ability to get into Harry's brain and relay that kind of ugliness mm, is sheer disappointment. Yeah, and but I I say ugliness for a reason yeah. because it is ugly mm. what Harry is thinking right now. Uh, absolutely, and then it is followed up by the idea that um, Harry doesn't necessarily or explicitly say that he wants to kill Sirius Black, but he doesn't deny it either. I mean, this is some dark stuff that Harry's going through right at this moment. Agreed. Um, It even follows up by saying, do you know what I see and hear every time a Dementor gets too near me? Ron and Hermione shook their heads, looking apprehensive. I can hear my mom screaming and pleading with Voldemort. And if you'd heard your mom screaming like that, just about to be killed, you wouldn't forget it in a hurry. And if you found out someone who was supposed to be a friend of hers betrayed her and sent Voldemort after her, there's nothing you can do, said Hermione, one looking stricken. The Dementors catch Black and he'll go back to Azkaban and serve him right. You heard what Fudge said. Black isn't affected by Azkaban like normal people are. It's not a punishment for him like it is for the others. So what are you saying, said Ron, looking very tense. You want to to kill Black or something? Don't be silly, said Hermione in a panicky voice. Harry doesn't want to kill anyone, do you, Harry? Again, Harry didn't answer. He didn't know what he wanted to do. All he knew was that the idea of doing nothing while Black was at liberty was almost more than he could Mm. stand. Mm -hmm. Excellent, excellent. I I just, I love this chapter. I love everything about this chapter. You love emo Harry. Uh, Emo Harry is great. (laughs) I think that's the reason why I'm, I'm in on Order of the Phoenix. Yes. Um, I just I just find it fascinating that Harry feels all these things as a 13-year-old. And this is I mean, you just wait a few years, my love, and I will bring this back to you. Remember how you loved emo Harry who had all the feelings when our kids are 13, 14, and 15? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It's going to suck when it's our kids, but for Harry it's great. It's great reading. <laughs> it's great to read and then yes. put away back on the shelf and not yes. have to actually deal with it or put someone in timeout but or take away that. a firebolt. Th- think about that. Being a parent, we're going to have to do the same things to our kids. You know, Ugh. There's going to be things that they want, that they work for, that they're gifted by other friends um, that we are going to have to take away for their safety. I mean, Blake and I were just talking recently about social media and what it's going to look like as our kids get to that preteen, early teen age, you know, Uh, of course, things are going to be slightly different then, hopefully, (laughs) (laughs) but we don't really know, but you, you know, you're going to have to play that adult and you're going to have to set those guidelines and you're going to have to do things for their own safety that they will not agree with. And it stinks that Hermione has to do that for Harry, but she's just trying to protect him. Right. And there's also a, a follow-up to this conversation, too, that I, I have to read. Again, I'm sorry to subject you to all of my oh, reading in this, oh. this chapter. It's like we hate Harry Potter, Blake, and we don't want to ever hear you read it. Go, carry on. <laughs> We're here at for Potterverse. Harry, please, said Hermione, her eyes now shining with tears. Please be sensible. Black did a terrible, terrible thing. But don't put yourself in danger. It's what Black wants. Oh, Harry, you'd be playing right into Black's hands if you weren't looking for him. Your mom and dad wouldn't want you to get hurt, would they? They'd never want you to go looking for Black. I'll never know what they wanted, thanks to Black. I've never spoken to them, said Harry shortly. There was a silence in which Crookshanks stretched luxuriously, flexing his claws. Ron's pocket quivered. Look, said Ron, obviously casting around for a change of subject. It's the holidays. It's nearly Christmas. Let's let's go down and see Hagrid. We haven't visited him for ages. No, said Hermione quickly. Harry isn't supposed to leave the castle, Ron. 
Yeah, let's go, said Harry, sitting up. And I can ask him, how come he never mentioned Black when he told me about my parents? Mm-hmm. Further discussion of Sirius Black plainly wasn't what Ron had in mind. Or we could, you know, have a game of chess, he said hastily. Or, or gobstones. Percy left a set. No, let's visit Hagrid. Oh, <laughs> you know what, Harry? Harry gets this. Puts his foot down, man. Oh, good stuff. <laughs> the misery You porn. just see Ron and Hermione be like, Ugh. <laughs> Okay. And can I just have a moment? Ron's still really hungry. <laughs> it's almost lunchtime. He's been living off of Christmas candy. Right, right. <laughs> and they go to Hagrid's. And what I love is while they're at Hagrid's and Hagrid starts to talk about the letter that he got about Buckbeak and what this all entails, Ron decides to make tea. And at first I thought, just... Good job, Ron. Like, it wasn't Hermione. It was Ron. Ron's like, this is what my mom does when people people feel bad. They make tea. Part of me is thinking, though, how hungry is he? Is he like, I need to have some substance, even if it's tea. Right. <laughs> and I can't trust Hagrid when he makes tea, because Lord knows, like, he just makes some weird stuff. But if I make it... right. <laughs> At least my tummy will stop grumbling. <laughs> well, this is also a, a great example of what happens in this trio, right? Um, when when uh, Hermione and Ron are talking to Harry about this whole idea, right? They're they're talking to Harry, and, and, and Hermione is using logic and using sense. Harry, you, you can't go chase the Sirius Black. You just can't do it. I mean, what are you going to do? And Ron's saying, yeah, you know what? Let's go visit Hagrid. Like, you're, you're going to, he's doing the emotional thing. He's saying, yeah, let's go visit Hagrid. You know, let's play a couple of games or whatever. Like, we'll, we'll figure it out. And then Harry is being the synthesis of, of all of these, uh, trying to use logic but for the sake of emotion. Yeah. And then in this sense too, when they go and talk to Hag to Hagrid, Harry and uh, Hermione and Ron go. And when they do go visit Hagrid and they realize that Hagrid's in a really, really bad spot, the, the same kind of dynamic plays out between the three of them. Hermione uses her logic no, 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 Hagrid, we're going to make a good case here. We'll we'll go. And, and obviously, there's plenty of case study here. We can figure this out. And, Ron, and Harry says, you know what? Yeah, we're going to act right now. We're going to stand up and we're going to, we'll talk for you. We'll do all this stuff. And mm-hmm. obviously, they're going to listen. You want to know why? Because I'm Harry freaking right. And Ron... Ron does the emotional thing because what his mother does when everything gets a little tense, she makes, makes some tea. Makes some tea. That's I, what I want to start doing when things get rough. Let me just put on a pot of tea. Think about you it. You won't drink it, though. Stop. I try. <laughs> I just forget about it. And then I go buy an iced coffee, decaf. <laughs> Mary makes tea constantly. <laughs> and I'll have a cup. And it's there, fully brewed, steeped per- to perfection. And she- she'll forget it. It's on the counter. And she goes buys an iced coffee. It happens Every day. Yeah. Well, it's because like I want tea at a different time than I want iced coffee. But anyway, um, yeah, I just I just love it. Way to go, Ron. Now, Hagrid also talks a little bit about how the Dementors interacted with him and how he has to walk by them every time he goes for a drink in the Three Broomsticks. Oh, and this, of course, yes. is the first time that he actually acknowledges what it was like for him in Azkaban. Right. I love that portion too. I gotta I gotta find out where it is. I mean, I can give it to you in my book. Hold on. He's down over here. 
Oh, yeah, okay. Blake has the illustrated version and I have the regular hardcover book version. <laughs> and uh, I love this. It's just, okay. Uh, at last, after many more assurances of help with a steaming mug of tea in front of him, Hagrid blew his nose on a handkerchief the size of a tablecloth and said, you're right. I can't afford to go to pieces. Gotta pull myself together. Fang, the board hound, came timidly out from the under the table and laid his head on Hagrid's knee. I've not been myself lately, said Hagrid, stroking Fang with one hand and mopping his face with the other. Worried about Buckbeak and no one liking me classes. We do like them, lied Hermione at once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're great, said Ron, crossing his fingers under the table. Uh, how are the flubberworms? Dead, said Hagrid <laughs> gloomily. Too much lettuce. Oh, no, said Ron, his lip twitching. And then, them dementors make me feel ruddy terrible and all, said Hagrid with a sudden shudder. Gotta walk past them every time I want to drink in the three broomsticks. It's like being back in Azkaban. He fell silent, gulping his tea. Harry, Ron, and Hermione watched him breathlessly. They had never heard Hagrid talk about his brief spell in Azkaban before. And after a pause, Hermione said timidly, Is it awful in there, Hagrid? You have no idea, said Hagrid quietly. Never been anywhere like it. I was going mad. Kept going over horrible stuff in me head. The day I got expelled from Hogwarts. Day me dad died. Day I had to let Norbert go. His eyes filled with tears. Norbert was the baby dragon. Hagrid had once won in the game of cards. You can't really remember who you are after a while. And you can't see the point of living at all. I used to hope I'd just die in me sleep. When they let me out, it was like being born again. Everything came flooding back. It was like the best feeling in the world. Mind the Dementors weren't keen on letting me go. But you were innocent, said Hermione. Hagrid started. Think that matters to them? They don't care as long as they've got a couple of hundred humans stuck there with them so they can leech all the happiness out of them. They don't give a damn who's guilty and who's not. Oh, man. Think of that. terrible. Think of that. That kind of justice that he was uh, exposed to, again, further exploring this lack of justice or the imbalanced justice in the wizarding world. Not all is sunshine and rainbows and forgotten cups of tea in, in the wizarding world. This is real stuff. This is real emotion flowing through Hagrid and also Harry at the same time in this chapter. And again, that's why I say this chapter, this is the point when everything takes a hard left and goes down to uh, uh, the road that we're eventually going to lead to Mm. for the rest of the books. So we get some other cool things that happen in this chapter. Of course, Crookshanks goes after Scabbers yet again. Mm-hmm. Okay, we've got just this battle going on between this cat and this rat. And also Harry's sneakoscope, his pocket sneakoscope that Ron had actually given him for his birthday way back in the summer. It comes popping out and it won't stop whirling and doing all this <laughs> stuff on the floor. Um, so they kind of take care of that thing. Harry throws it back in his trunk. But we've got these things once again. Spoilerific time. We've got not only Crookshanks, but now also the Sneakoscope going off around Scabbers, trying to give the trio a heads up that there is something wrong. There is someone that they cannot trust in their presence. But they're not putting two things together. They're thinking just the Sneakoscope is is going crazy because, of course, it was going off before when Ron 
was with Scabbers, right. <laughs> his family, in the past. Then they go down for Christmas lunch. And I loved this. All of the tables had been moved against the wall. And there in the middle, set a single set for 12, right in the middle of the room. I just think it's so cool that like Dumbledore, McGonagall, Snape, Sprout, and Flitwick were there. Filch, uh, a couple of kids. There were um, a couple of first years, bless their hearts. And then, of course, one fifth year Slytherin. Yeah, just again. one. <laughs> the, again, feel you have to feel for these poor first years where they're like, yay, we're going to Hogwarts. Yep. Yay, mom. Guess what? I'm a Hufflepuff. Like, and her mom's like, oh, God, of course See you See you are. in May. Nobody cares about you being a Hufflepuff. But, oh my God, you're so, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't with you, Blake. But think about that being a first year and all of this stuff is happening. Nobody is staying around for the holidays because the Dementors are around and nobody feels comfortable about what's going on. <laughs> so they all have to go home and you're there with Harry Potter of all people. Like, this is a wild time for these first years. Let me tell you, what an experience. You got the Christmas crackers with Dumbledore, who is pumped. You get this whole delicious food that comes on up. Uh, Trelawney actually comes down. They weren't expecting her because she usually doesn't do this. And of course, we get this whole thing where she's going on like, oh, no, there's 13 of us again. Someone's going to get up. Run, run and Harry get up at the same time. So she says one of you is going to die. Yeah, of course. It doesn't she does. actually happen. <laughs> Trelawney and Trelawney throws some major shade at McGonagall. I love this because they they kind of go tit for tat with each other. You know, we have the really logical McGonagall and then we have the like off in her dream world, Trelawney. Right, right. And, um, you know, she, <laughs> so later on, Trelawney says, you know, where's Lupin? And Dumbledore says, I'm sorry, he's ill. Um, and then McGonagall says, but surely you already knew that, Sybil, said Professor McGonagall, her eyebrows raised. Professor Trelawney gave Professor McGonagall a very cold look. Certainly I knew Minerva. She said quietly, <laughs> but one does not parade the fact that one is all knowing. I frequently act as though I am not possessed of the inner eye, as so not to make others nervous. <laughs> that explains a great deal, said Professor McGonagall tartly. <laughs> Just throwing shade in front of all these students. Oh, my God. And then at the same time, we have Dumbledore bringing an A plus troll game. I mean, like trolling Snape. But but here, Trelawney says, if you must know Minerva, I have seen that poor Professor Lupin will not be with us for very long. He seems aware himself that his time is short. He positively fled when I offered to a crystal gaze for him. Truth be told, Professor Lupin does die in a couple of years. Yeah, I agree. But I feel like knowing Lupin's condition, if she is all knowing, which, you know, it's debatable whether or not she is or is not. The fact remains that she knows of his condition. Given his condition, there is no chance he's going to be around that long because of that condition. Hmm. Um, but going back to Dumbledore bringing the A-plus troll yes. game against Snape. Him wearing the stuffed vulture the same way that it resembled what what Neville Longbottle's uh, bottoms uh, boggart resembled when <laughs> Snape came out with the hat. Oh <laughs> my God, that is great! Harry remembering the boggart caught Ron's eye, and they both grinned. Snape's mouth thinned, and he pushed the hat towards Dumbledore, who swapped it for his wizard's hat at once. Tuck in, it. he advised the table, beaming around. I love this because having Snape uh, participate in the the proceedings, it we know now mm-hmm. that Dumbledore and Snape had a thing. 
right? Yeah. Like, and like they, there secrets. was this, they had secrets and they had, they knew the uh, truth. They knew the truth and they knew, they understood the relationship that Snape had to have with Harry. I mean, and, think about it right now. They're the only people that know that Lupin is a werewolf and that right. they're both trying to cover for him and make sure that he's okay. Right. So in addition to the Harry and Voldemort aspects. A- absolutely. And not only that, it, it it's a matter of, I think, Dumbledore trying to make Snape more of a human to mm. the children and more of a um, presence, like mm-hmm. a, an actual endearing presence to the children because Snape does this great job at keeping everybody at arm's length this yeah. entire time. And Dumbledore knows that that is there is truth to that, but it's also an act. It's also something that he knows Snape should not be doing. And because of that, he uses this as a way to not only give his A-plus troll game, but because also um, he knows that Snape needs to be more of a uh, a warmer figure for Harry, mm-hmm. uh, even though he wants nothing to do with that whatsoever. And if that's the case, if Dumbledore trusts Snape implicitly the way that he does and it in- involves him in all of these um, proceedings, then the children that are there and the, the staff that are there should tr- trust Snape as well, uh, just just as uh, vividly and um, and viscerally as Dumbledore does. Mm. So I, I, I just find that one little tidbit there uh, very very interesting. Very interesting. And then we wrap things up where we began with the firebolt in question and McGonagall taking it away from Harry. It's it's just so funny. I mean, literally this chapter is with, within pretty much, you know, one or two days because he comes back from um, Hogsby. But really, it focuses on Christmas itself, getting the firebolt and then just having it ripped away with all of these 13 year old feelings. So there you have it. That is that chapter. All right, Marvin, do you have a different perspective? Of course I do. Yeah, you do, of course. I want to let you know that the different perspective here is brought to you by jointhenerdclan.com, where, again, you can get all of the great bonus episodes and premium podcasts that Mary and I do, as well as things like the Blake's Book Club, where we're discussing Voyager from the Outlander saga, or Mary, as she had noted in the beginning of this podcast, is doing the Bridgerton book club the mary's book club and that will be for the duke and i which is the first book of the bridgerton saga if you will so that is that marvin let's do some different perspective you got it holy cricket you're harry potter i'm hermione granger and you are minerva mcgonagall oh hey minerva what's going on today you know i'm a little put out i heard you had to take harry's uh, broom what was that like? Well, let's just start things off. Okay, it's Christmas, all yeah, right? Sure, and sure. let's be real. Yep. I don't really have a lot of friends or family. Mm-hmm. And Well, you're a little stern. Um, excuse me? <laughs> I'm reminded of this when it comes to times like Christmas holiday, which is normally fine and bustling and there's still loads of students and lots of merriment, but with this whole serious black thing, it's just blowing yeah. up my space. Mm-hmm. And um, there were only a few of us at dinner. And Dumbledore, bless his heart, tried his best. He had the Christmas crackers. We had the roast potatoes because he knows they're my favorite. Yep. Roast pota- potatoes. <laughs> You like Lord Precious. of the Rings. They're I'm, my favorite, yeah, okay? Yeah, I know. I agree. Uh, give me a little Samwise any day. Um, but <laughs> It's because Frodo sucks. I Sorry. had to sit near Snape and Trelawney. And, you know, 
Neither of them are jolly. No. Like, I just wouldn't call either of them jolly. Would you call them your friends? Hmm. You're just more colleagues, I suppose. Yeah, we're acquaintances. Yeah. You're not not going on a cruise with Snape anytime soon. (laughs) No. Um, (laughs) So it's just, you know, it was just a day. It was just a day. You know, you know when you have really high expectations? Yes. Well, I bought myself a new robe. It got stuck in the post. So now it won't actually be here for Christmas. And then, goodness gracious, Hermione Granger, love the girl. Okay. Mm -hmm. Not going to lie. She reminds me of myself. But she's a little bit of a tattletale. And I, and I appreciate it. We may have something dark on our hands it's just you know you know that book the the terrible horrible no good very bad day that was pretty much my christmas well you had you had double door you know totally just ranking on snape that must have made you feel good you know your awkward family gatherings that's why i don't go home for christmas (laughs) and i just felt like i had an awkward christmas with my colleagues Uh and then i had to take away harry potter poor little harry potter i had to take away the one thing he wanted i know just a very bad day so i'm really really looking forward to tomorrow to boxing day you know hopefully you know you don't have any uh, quidditch matches anytime soon i don't it'll it'll be back by then don't you worry yeah you better get that loner out of harry's hands and get that firebolt back into there i'm telling you this hurt me more than it hurt harry i would love to have a firebolt in his hands goodness gracious and end scene uh, so normally, uh, ladies and gents, this is when we would do the email and questions and everything. But I, I, we're going to hold those off for next episode only because we're not doing this episode here right now live. We just had a bunch of stuff happen over this past couple of weeks, and we just weren't able to get it done live the way that we normally do. So we like having all these questions, whether they're emails or live questions, during the live sessions. So what we're going to do right now is take this opportunity to talk about the fact that, Mary, there is a potential live action series, Harry Potter, being developed as an HBO Max original. Okay, so... What facts do we actually know about this? Not much. There's not much. The, the facts that we know are this. One, uh, the idea is being shopped around to a bunch of different showrunners. There okay. is no idea of when that show will take place. There's no idea if it will be uh, a sequel to the Harry Potter series, if it will be a prequel, if it will be a side story, if it will be related to the Fantastic Beasts series. Though I doubt it will be Fantastic Beasts related because that... that <laughs> you want to get yourself away from that storyline. Yeah, that leg has kind of died off a little bit here. Uh, and it'll be surprising. It, I will be surprised to see if that, that leg of Harry Potter world goes to, to the five films that are planned. Uh, I wonder if it dies off after the it's third film. It's not as good when it's in America. No, it's not as good when it's in America, and it's also not as good when your main character is the most boring character of the entire film. I would completely disagree, but I think more with just like how long it's taken for the series, how it's just very dark. Uh, it's, uh, I will say, it is no Harry Potter. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them is no Harry Potter. So I am hoping that whatever series takes place, it's in. Europe. <laughs> That's true. I, th- You know, the thing I think, though, is that with the Fantastic Beast thing is that it doesn't know what it wants to be. Do you know what I mean? Let's talk more about this HBO right. show. Okay. Anyway, so the, the other facts that we do know are this. Right now, the people who have the distribution rights for 
the not the films but for the television shows the television aspect of harry potter is universal and who owns universal nbc nbc but this is being developed as an hbo max original is hbo and owned by nbc no no hbo is owned by warner brothers which is why when you got hbo max and does warner brothers own fox no disney does well, they own 20th Century stu- uh, Fox Studios. So, so. No, but I'm thinking like the CW. <laughs> uh, oh, that's a good that, that that's a good question. I think that is yeah, the CW is is Warner Brothers. Okay. So I'm th- thinking of like teeny bopper shows, and, like, yeah, high school yeah. shows. Okay. Um, so what what my whole point is this: HBO has TV rights. No, no. No, NBC has, NBC TV has the TV rights, which is why when HBO first came out, like HBO Max first came out, mm-hmm. HBO and Universal, NBC, made a deal that HBO would be able to stream all of the Harry Potter films. For like, oh, yes. You know, and then this deal was made, like the, the deal for the, the streaming rights and everything and mm-hmm. the TV rights, all that stuff. That deal was made years ago when nobody really ever thought of streaming television and streaming all these shows and having their own streaming services and creating all their own shows for those streaming services. It was before the streaming wars became a thing. So the streaming rights to Harry Potter and the TV distribution rights to Harry Potter are going to switch from Universal back to HBO and Warner Brothers in a couple of years. Okay. Until then, anything that happens for Harry Potter on television has to go through NBC and Universal, which and is which is why Harry Potter right now is not streaming on Warner Brothers owned HBO, it's streaming on NBC owned Peacock. That's the reason why right now. Okay. So my whole point is, ultimately, none of this TV show, even if it's a thing, is going to be on our screens until at most, I mean, at least 2023, 2024, uh, probably 2025, because the rights have to revert back to HBO, and HBO has to do it you know, in good faith to universal Mm -hmm. they can start developing ideas and bringing a team together and getting things like sorted out but they can't start production because if they do it's under the under the the terms of their agreement it has to go to nbc so we're not going to see anything in hbo until at least 2025 i think okay so that's how it's so when you've heard that there is going to be a quote harry potter show just know it's something in the potterverse for the lack of a better word it's something within the universe it will not be happening for a few years it will be through hbo it also adds into like awkwardness for the harry potter world which is at universal studios which is universal owned nbc owned so we don't necessarily know if this means eventually it could be potentially part of the theme park there's a lot of things well i mean that that in and of itself i think is fine because the theme the the theme park park aspect of harry potter it has been leased to universal so universal if if the harry potter world exists universal has the right to put it in their theme park mm-hmm. so you see what i mean i do so, so uh, know that we're going to keep our eyes and ears to this as we are quite excited oh my gosh the podcasting potential right i know <laughs> hold uh, on tight friends uh one last question i have for you in the in the spirit of this segment that we normally have mary 
is in speaking about the Harry Potter television series, what would you want to see uh, be explored in the Harry Potter television series? I would like to see right now one of two options. I would like to see the Marauders, yep. like the the early years, you know what I mean? The, the James, Lily, Snape, Lupin in school years of what happened slash like the beginnings of the Order of the Phoenix, you know, sure, sure. kind of that the early class or and or um, I want to know Dumbledore's perspective during Harry's seven years of school. Yeah, you know, we rarely see Dumbledore. Um, we get, you know, oh, he's here, he's there. I want to know what was he working on. I want to know about his talks with Severus. Like, part of me was like, well, I'd like to see Severus. Really, I only care about Severus when he's chatting with Dumbledore. Right, I don't want right. to see him just, like, brewing new potions because he's mad and, and emo. So I'd either like the Marauders or I'd like Dumbledore in the Sorcerer's Stone. Sure. Dumbledore in the Chamber of Secrets. Right. You oh, know? That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. In in in. I would love to see Dumbledore with a young, very young Snape in my dream, my dream. Adam uh, Driver. Of making Adam Driver. Seriously? Snape. Oh my God. Oh my God. Nerd! Oh, uh, that would, that would just be something, yeah. but it, I, it probably won't happen regardless. Um, you know, I, following the, those lines. Why would it not happen, Blake? Uh, just because that would be just too good. I got my one dream of J.J. Abrams directing Star Wars. I feel like that's the only dream I'm allowed in my life. So I, I got it. I should be happy, and I'm moving on with the mm-hmm. rest of my life. Uh, but Adam Driver being young Snape would just be a gift to humanity. Anyway. All right, Mavid, are you ready to close this bad boy out? Sure am. All right, let's, uh, let's do that, shall we? so much for joining us here at the Potterverse and of course your patience if you are listening to this in live time um, you know as Blake said we've just been going through a lot of stuff with with just my health and we appreciate your patience for these new podcast episodes to be coming out so thank you so much and if you do want to join in for my book club reading the Duke and I from the Bridgerton series make sure you're a member at jointhenerdclan.com even the lowest level uh, which is just two dollars a month that's less than you pay for a cup of coffee you can join and that all goes towards our production of these podcasts you know that like 99% of our podcasts are free and open to the public to help bring Lumos in this time of Knox so if we do that for you please 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 if you can afford it head on over to jointhenerdclan.com and get ready for some book club fun right actually also too go to maryandblake.com to check out all the free coverage of everything that we do whether it is Game of Thrones or Gilmore Girls or uh, The Leftovers or uh, geez anything that you can think of we're covering it including WandaVision I'm writing a blog series about that hopefully the latest episode will have out within the next couple of days so I'm looking forward to that as well so that's that ladies and gents my name's Mary my name's Blake and you oh <laughs> You've been listening to the Potterverse, Mischief Managed. Mischief Managed.